With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Curaleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Guys, we are back. It's the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. The bye week is over, Johnny McGonigal, and we got a lot to get to this week. It is, it is quite a week for James Franklin and Penn State, 5-0 Penn State, visiting 6-0 Michigan noon kick on Fox, which means Gus Johnson, I think, will be on the on the call with uh, Joel Platt. So, boy, Johnny, it, they, they've had some pretty good road tests already, but nothing quite like this one. Yeah, Bob. I mean, it's one that we're all looking forward to. Uh, I'm sure the fans are looking forward to it. You start even watching, you know, uh, some playoff baseball here. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. The Phillies are on and and they have the graphics up. You know, hey, you know, top 10 matchup, Penn State, Michigan. Uh, it's been kind of all over the place. And there are some really big games across the board of college football uh, this weekend. Tennessee, Alabama being one of them. But this is a big game. I mean, this is this is not just big for you know, Big Ten East. Uh, complications, but uh, you know, college football playoff rankings; those are rolling around soon, Bob. And uh, it, it's it's a big one for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions, especially coming off the bye. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to get into all of it, but yeah, usually Johnny and I talk about uh, our thoughts on James Franklin's Tuesday news conference. James talked for a little over a half an hour. Johnny uh, thought he had a couple of interesting things uh, to say, but you could tell—I don't know if you could tell on the phone line, but. He was a little playful, but you could tell this is a serious week for him. And, you know, the way that he answered some of the questions, not that he wasn't forthcoming, but, you know, he was he was obviously full of praise for Jim Harbaugh's team. I don't know how much he actually revealed about his team. Uh, why don't we just start with uh, the wide receiver room for Penn State, Keandre Lambert-Smith, uh, a third-year player, uh, a big play receiver at Penn State, Left the Northwestern game early, did not return. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago, or it'll be a couple of weeks ago when, by the time Saturday rolls around. Looked, looked an awful lot like a lower leg injury, but James James isn't giving anything away. All he would really say about Keandre is he's hopeful to have him available on Saturday. What do you make of Keandre Lambert-Smith and Penn State's passing game to, to date, Johnny, especially wide receiver production? He was asked an interesting question from Mark Wogenrich of SI.com. Uh, they lost a, a true number one in Jahan Dotson after the 2021 season. And James was asked if he feels like he has a number one on the team. He said he actually thinks at times they have three number one wide receivers on the team. I don't know if I agree with that, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I guess it's all, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I suppose, when it comes to James Franklin and his players and what he's got at his disposal. Uh, with Keandre Lambert-Smith specifically, 
you know, we saw him leaving the rain-soaked Beaver Stadium field uh, with a, uh, his right foot in a walking boot. Um, and so he was at, you know, James Franklin was asked about DeAndre after the press conference and, excuse me, after the game in the, in the press conference. And he was talking about Trey Wallace and how he would be the next guy who would step up. Uh, but when asked today, if he had a true number one wide receiver and he said, yeah, I feel like we have three that can fill the role and, and mentioned Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, uh, the uh, Western Kentucky transfer, uh, and then Keandre Lambert Smith. And he, and he threw in there, he said, and Keandre, who's coming back. Yes. It, that kind of like sat there for a little bit. And then someone in the room uh, followed up and asked, hey, does that mean he's going to play on Saturday? And and James said, hey, we're hopeful. You know, it's still Tuesday. It's early in the week, blah, blah, blah. But if they're able to get Keandre back, look, they, they kind of need all hands on deck here when it comes to their wide receivers against this Michigan defense. Michigan defense that's ranked inside the top 11 nationally in both run and pass defense. And I do think that there will be some opportunities for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the running game, especially off tackle, you know, outside runs. Uh, but they can't be one-dimensional, the Nittany Lions. You know, they they got to be able to push the ball downfield, get some yards after the catch, which is an area that they've been seriously lacking this season. And James Franklin acknowledged that uh, today as well. And if you're able to have Keandre Lambert-Smith, who has struggled in, we- in, you know, in recent weeks, I think he only had four catches in his last four games or five catches in his last four games, uh, but he showed that yak ability, you know, at Purdue catching that 29 yard touchdown uh, that really broke up a series of punts in that second half at Purdue. And so he brings that pop. He brings that potential. And uh, alongside Parker Washington, and Mitchell Tinsley, if you have Keandre out there uh, with Trey Wallace as, as more of a fourth guy and Brenton Strains, et cetera, what you have in the passing game, I think you feel pretty good uh, about the talent out there. It's just a matter of execution. The first couple of weeks of the season, I thought Penn State's skilled people, and I'm including the tight ends in Brenton Strange, uh, they were able to, to really produce a lot of yak, a lot of yards after contact, yards after the catch, especially in that Purdue game. Keon, you mentioned Keandre's, I think it was a 29-yard touchdown. That was, like a fl- that was like a five-yard slant in the second half. And then Brenton Strange, I think the last 40 or 45 yards of his 67-yard touchdown right before the end of the first half, he shook off two tacklers. That really has not been really something that Penn State has been able to count on of late. And I think other than Brent Strange's big play, that's something I think that's kind of been missing. Not all of it is the wide receiver's fault. They have been open. Sean has missed, I think, too many wide receivers. He missed Parker Washington for a huge play against Northwestern in the rain, but that's not an isolated incident, right? He's he's had some chances to find some find some wideouts down the field. He had a big throw to Mitchell Tinsley early in the Auburn game that really kind of loosened up, I thought, Auburn's defense. But when you talk about consistency and you talk about how many real how many chances against Michigan's defense are you really going to have for chunk plays in the passing game, I think it's going to be a limited number. Sean cannot afford to miss open receivers in this game on Saturday. And James even kind of acknowledged that when asked about Sean today that, uh, he'd like to have some plays back. I think he's, he'd like to have more than a few plays back, especially the last couple of weeks. So I think when we look at the wideout room and the production, you have to take into consideration that Sean has missed some plays, but they gotta they got to be on their toes against this Michigan defense. Yeah, I mean, look, this Michigan front seven doesn't have Aiden Hutchinson or David Ojabo anymore. It's still a fearsome front. It's, it's a front that can get after you in the passing game. And so those opportunities to take shots downfield, I feel it will be few and far between even even though you know we're confident and, and have been impressed with what Olu Fashano has done at left tackle and Landon Tengwall at left guard and 
even Juice Drugs as well and Sam uh, Sal Wormley on the inside. But you know, so that'll be a test, you know, for Penn State's offensive line to hold up in pass pro. Uh, but then it's up to Sean Clifford. It really comes down to him, and I, you know, it's it's a combination of him hitting his guys when they're open, and they have been open on occasion. You mentioned that Parker Washington miss uh, in the you know in the fourth quarter against Northwestern, and I, that was just such a I mean it was such a bad throw. I mean, just you got you got to say what it was, right? And that's what it was. And yeah, you know, I think Mitchell Tinsley has done a nice nice job of contested catches. If you just give that guy a chance in one on one coverage. I think you have to take those opportunities against Michigan, loosen that defense up if you can. Uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game on Saturday, and really one of those plays can be the turning point. And so having a Keandre Lambert-Smith and his experience out there, uh, his ability to catch one and, like you said, bounce off a would-be tackler and get some more yards after the catch, uh, getting Parker Washington involved and involved early, and giving Mitchell Tinsley those opportunities when he has them, I think is imperative for Mike Yersich, the offense coordinator, and uh, Sean Clifford against his Michigan defense. When they played last year at Beaver Stadium, you were you were doing a fantastic job covering those Pitt Panthers uh, at your former uh, location. You might even have watched the Michigan game after it happened, but it was it was savage destruction at the line of scrimmage by Michigan's front. Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabu absolutely toyed, toyed with Penn State's offensive tackles, Rasheed Walker and Caden Wallace, and that really was the story of the game. I mean, P- Penn State's defense played well enough to win, but they gave up they, they gave up a busted play late that actually got them beat for a long touchdown when two defensive backs collided and a tight end got loose on a crossing route for the winning touchdown. But really the storyline was Michigan ran the ball down their throat and those defensive ends and the rest of Michigan's front completely overwhelmed uh, Penn State's offensive line. Penn State's offensive line is better this year. You can't convince me otherwise. A lot of it has to do with Olu's development, Fashano's development on the left tackle side. And I think that Juice Scruggs, as the permanent center, has been a significant upgrade over former Penn State center Mike Miranda. They like what Sal Wormley has done. I think Landon Tengwall has gotten better. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it for what it is. If if I'm the Michigan defensive coordinator, Jesse Minner, I think he's the son of former Cincinnati coach Rick Minner. I'm taking a good hard look at Penn State's right tackle position. And I'm, I'm probably going to go after Caden Wallace, especially in obviously obvious passing situations. Penn State can help him uh, with a tight end, Brenton Strange, or, or you know whoever they want to do it. But uh, I mean, I think there's going to be some times where Caden Wallace is going to be isolated against a good edge rusher, and he's going to have to play one of his better games at Penn State. I think, especially on the road in front of that crowd. I think that's a big key. I think to what we're going to see Saturday, Johnny, in in Ann Arbor, and if, especially if Penn State falls behind, maybe they won't. Maybe you'll have that comfortable lead like they built after two-plus quarters at Auburn, and, and they're not going to need to go back and throw it 35 times. But if they have to, I think that's a real area of concern, and I think I think the Michigan coaching staff's aware of it. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, Looking at that right tackle spot, I think you're going to see a lot of Brenton Strange lined up on the right side to help out Caden Wallace. I think you're going to have the the running backs whenever they're in pass pro, especially Kevon Lee, the oldest of the three running backs, helping out on that right side. And that was, yeah, when I went back and I rewatched every game from last season, you know, whether the, the, the timing, you know, lined up or, you know, Pitt played on a Thursday or what have you. Uh, but I went back and rewatched all of them. That Michigan game, like you said, it was, it was carnage off the edge, you know, from a defensive perspective for Michigan, uh, getting after the quarterback and living in the backfield of Penn State. And on the other end too, is their offensive line really dominating up front. And, we talked about what I'm looking at that right tackle spot for Penn State. I'm also looking at the interior defensive line for Penn State. You know, we just saw uh, what PJ Mustafer, Hakeem Beeman, 
uh, did against Northwestern a couple weeks ago. Northwestern is not Michigan, right? Michigan is a different animal, especially with Blake Cormett running back. All he needs is a little bit of space. You know, you, if you give him a yard, you know, pass or two pass the line of scrimmage, and you give him a glimmer of hope, that guy can duck under, duck around, you know, spin through, and just hit the open field and go for fifty. So I think it, it really comes down to the Penn State's front seven, and specifically Mustafer and Hakeem Beeman. The ends too, right? The ends holding up uh, in run support. But you know, if those two guys in the middle are able to really clog those lanes and and force you know JJ McCarthy into uncomfortable situations you know, behind the sticks, you know, after first and second down, you know, third and long, you know, James Franklin, one of the things he really harped on during his press conference today was how good Michigan has been on first down as an offense. And that has made life easy on JJ McCarthy, who, you know, at 78% uh, leads the country in completion percentage. I mean, 78%, that's, that's unreal, Bob. And look, you know, going back and watching some of his, he's not like being forced to carry this team. I mean, a lot of it is they're using his mobility, rolling him out, off play action, a lot of easy access throws. And uh, I'm sure Michigan's going to want to try and get him in that rhythm again against his Penn State defense. But that's up to you know the secondary to hold firm and then really for this interior defensive line to do its job. Yeah, I agree. James, James was, talk, was asked about J.J. He mentioned his arm talent and he also mentioned the fact that the, the completion percentage. But he also said more than once, right, Johnny? He said more than once. Michigan has been really good at kind of staying ahead of the de- ahead of the chains. And what he means is, I think, you know, they, if they get five yards on first down and, and they get four on second down when it's third down and they're completing like it's it's in the I think the mid to high 40s on third down. But a lot of times it's third and very short. And when you have those tight ends and that big offensive line and you have Blake Corum, who, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to get it. Unlike Auburn, Michigan will stay with that run, and he's going to get it 25 to 30 times. And, you know, he's one of those guys, Johnny, that is – he's not small. He's short, but he's powerfully built. You know, he's like 5'8", 210. He's actually kind of built like Parker Washington. But um, he, there's nothing small about this young man. He is, he is a force between the tackles, and if you give him space, you're going to really struggle to run him down. It's, it's a fascinating matchup. You, ma- you mentioned Mustafer. Akeem Beeman, the defensive ends. I think another another area that James was asked about was the linebackers today, right? I think about that the middle linebacker play, right? Whether it's Elston or Kobe King, it's going to be significant. But I also think that let's talk a little bit about what Manny Diaz can do to help that front seven. Maybe make it a front eight. Jair Brown is a different player this year. A lot of what he did last year was in the middle of the field in center field as a as a ball hawk. But we have we've seen him mature and develop. He's gotten bigger and stronger. He is around the line of scrimmage. I expect that to continue against Michigan. I think he is a disruptive player and a guy who can go a long way towards maybe minimizing what Michigan can do on the ground. Because Penn State, I know that they haven't faced a lot of running teams. They faced Auburn and everyone else kind of wanted to chuck it around. But they're only giving up like 78 yards a game, and that's really, really good. But I'm curious to see what Manny's going to do to help his front seven. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Really, Penn State's biggest challenge uh, to date from that standpoint, from a front seven and front eight standpoint with uh, when we talk about Jair Brown. And I think he's going to be key if they, especially if they use him closer to the line of scrimmage as they've had uh, this season, he's such a quick guy and he's decisive and he's sure he's a sure tackler, but he's quick and decisive in making those decisions, cutting off angles and bring guys down to the ground. And it's going to be huge against Blake Corm Cause like I said, you know, if he gets past that initial line of scrimmage and he gets through the D tackles and the DNs, 
he's so good at making guys miss and just getting to that second and third level. And then it's a touchdown and in, in four seconds, see it, it's seven points. And so that's where Jair Brown is going to come in huge. And then again, if, if they're able to really bottle that up and it's, they're not gonna be able to bottle it up all day. Like Blake Corum, I think is a good enough runner and they have good, good enough offensive linemen where I think you're going to give up a play or two to them. But if you're able to, you know, really limit them on the whole and not let them just run all over you, then really force the pressure on JJ McCarthy because you know, last game against Indiana, that second half was the first time that he really had to go out and win them a game. I mean, it was 10 to 10 at, at Indiana. And then he really opened it up, had his first career 300-yard game, threw the ball for 30 times uh, or more for the first time in his career. Prior to that, it was all like 24, 23 attempts. And so they were kind of keeping him uh, you know, within what they wanted to do. They're very conservative uh, look. And so if you're able to force him into, uh, you know, I don't know, crisis or really – uh, in un- uncomfortable situations, I mean, that's when a guy like Joey Porter Jr., Kaelin King, uh, Zaki Wheatley, who's always around the ball, can make something happen. I think you need a turnover in this game if you're going to win it. Yeah, let's just talk real briefly, Johnny. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I know the Penn State fans are aware of it. James Franklin referenced it at the very start of his press conference. You mentioned that Indiana game and how they struggled a little bit early. Do you think it took Michigan's team, coaching staff, players – more than a little bit to kind of find themselves and regain their footing after what happened with Mike Hart, the running backs coach, on the sideline. I think early in that game, you know, he was he was kind of carted off. Uh, I believe what I saw was he had a seizure, but he's doing better. But you saw you saw the images from that game. You saw some of the highlights, and it it just looked like Michigan was really they were really kind of knocked to their knees by watching. They they had no idea. Mike Hart's also a great great Michigan running back who played a while ago. I just wonder if maybe it took a little while. You, you mentioned it was 10-10. I, I wonder if they really had to kind of struggle to find themselves there in that second half. Yeah, that could have certainly been the case. And that's one of those where James Franklin opened his press conference uh, today, you know, expressing, you know, sending you know, wishes to Mike Hart and hoping that, you know, he'll see him on Saturday if, if his condition's, you know, well enough to return to the sideline um, with with Michigan. And so that definitely could have played a factor. Even going back, though, a couple weeks before that to the Maryland game, I mean, that was one of those where one possession game, 34-27, and Michigan through their first three games of the year, you know, they just piled it on, you know, three of the worst teams in college football. Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn beat them like a combined, I think, 166 to 17. I was surprised it wasn't higher. I mean, those teams are so bad. Uh, And so, like – Yes, you saw in that, okay, cool. Michigan can put up 50 on, on a bad team, uh, and they definitely have the talent. This is not me saying, hey, they shouldn't be a top-10 team or anything like that. Uh, but I just think that, you know, whether it was the, the Maryland game and, and you know, if, if you know that the situation with Mike Hart, maybe that, that played into a little bit um, in terms of what Michigan was uh, you know trying to get going against Indiana. I just haven't been totally convinced that this is a legit top five teams. So I don't know. I think we need to see more and maybe they'll shut me up and win by 30 uh, against Penn State. Maybe that happens. I think it's up to Penn State to to go out and do the job. And I think this is going to be a tighter game than, than people think. Yeah, right. The line, I mean, the betting line is it opened at seven and a half. It's at seven. It's the early line, the early, early line was 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think whoever whoever put that line out there is might regret that because if that was an actual line, I think you had to jump on Penn State and 10, considering their defensive depth, considering their improved running game, considering, you know, the fact that they have one of the, the elite kicking specialists in the country to really flip the field. I mean, they, 
they have all the ingredients necessary to make the opponents really have to work to score. And if you're going to give them 10 points, seven, I thought it might be a little bit lower than seven, quite honestly. But the, the line hasn't moved much off seven, which is like a, a prime betting number. But one thing I wanted to circle back to with you, you mentioned the fact that Michigan actually dropped the spot from four to five because of the Indiana game. And we could we could talk a little bit about your ballot uh, in a few minutes, but James Franklin is in his ninth year at Penn State, and in my opinion, I, I think you can count on one hand. Maybe you don't even need four fingers and a thumb when you look at his signature wins at Penn State. Right? You could count the Michigan win in 2017. I don't know how good that Michigan team was. You know, the win to beat Ohio State at Beaver Stadium at one in 2016. To win that one is one. I think the Big Ten title game win over a pretty good Wisconsin team is another. But, you know, whenever whenever Penn State, especially on the road, has gone up against a team that's pretty high in the rankings, it just hasn't gone well. So th- I think this is a big moment not only for this Penn State team. I think it's a big moment for James and his coaching staff. And this is a test. Um, you could say that maybe Michigan isn't really a top five team, and you might be right. Once you get past, like, Georgia and maybe a couple of – I don't know who is a top five team. It could be Penn State if they win this game. It really could. But this is a huge moment, a huge opportunity for Penn State. And I know they have two games that are really going to be tough after that. But just your thoughts on James Franklin. You know, they've had some opportunities in 17 and 18 to really do some damage. They haven't been able to do it. When you look at this Penn State team and and the opportunity that presents itself, if they can win this game, I think Michigan is a talented team. I don't know if they're a top five team, but a win, a, a decisive win at Michigan really, really kind of changes everything for James Franklin and Penn State. It definitely does. And you mentioned 17, 18. I always go back to those. It's just huge missed opportunities against Ohio State, blowing that lead in the shoe and 17 and then the fourth and five. And I'm, I'm sorry, Penn State fans, I know you don't want to relive those moments, but, uh, you know, missed opportunities there. But this is this is one that. James Franklin can take. And it's not just this week. It's a three-game stretch that will say a lot, I think, about where Penn State is as a program under James Franklin. And even, you know, more specifically about Sean Clifford's legacy, because Sean Clifford and James Franklin are so closely intertwined. uh, And the the faith and the loyalty that Franklin has in him as a six-year senior, uh, as a four-year starter, you know, he's a guy that I I I don't want to say needs this win, but it's, it's one of those where you look back on his career and if, if you're able to go ahead on the road and beat, you know, a Michigan team ranked inside the top five, inside the top 10 and go ahead and come out with that win. And then you go into Minnesota at home with the whiteout and and Ohio state, like, you know, if they're able to come away with this win does a lot for James Franklin does a lot for the fan base kind of just reaffirming that, Hey, this is a guy that can win these big games uh, for us after it's been a few years. Uh, And then Sean Clifford just will, will do a lot for his confidence you know, I'm sure he hears everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a smattering of boos and you know, at Beaver Stadium during the Northwestern game and people calling for Drew Aller. And so uh, I think this would do a lot for two of the biggest uh, faces of Penn State's program right now if they're able to go ahead and win. Yeah, I couldn't, ag- I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when I think about Sean Clifford's career at Penn State and, and, I, and the games that he's played really well against good teams, in 2019, uh, that Michigan team, that was a big moment for him. They won 28-21. But they're unbeaten and they're ranked. I, I think they were top five, top three, maybe I'm number two. They go into Minnesota. Uh, that was a good Minnesota team. That was a team that was, you know, that that by the end of the year, they were no fun to play with. They had a lot of talent 
on that team. But Penn State fell behind early. The defense started slow. Sean threw a couple of picks, but they rallied, Johnny. They rallied in a, in a difficult environment, and Sean had the offense driving at the end of the game. I think the final score was 31-26, but um, they, they came up empty. It wasn't just him. And to date, that was a very much of a defining moment for Sean, and we really haven't seen you know Penn State back in that situation, really, since then. You could say Iowa last year. But that wasn't a very good Iowa team. And I think Penn State was going to win that game before Sean got hurt and they ended up losing it. This to me feels like one of the moments closest to that Minnesota opportunity that Penn State had with Sean. That at the very least, he's going to have to play very well against this Michigan team. If they, if they lose a close game, if Sean has an opportunity to play well and win this game, I think it's important that he does that. And I think, you know, Penn State fans keep score, right? Let's let all fan bases do, but maybe not none more so than Penn State. So if it comes down to a fourth quarter drive to win the game, Sean did it against Purdue. This is a little bit of a different animal. And we're going to, I think we're going to find out a lot about Penn State and Sean Clifford on Saturday. Absolutely. And I think too, we'll find out a lot about their freshmen, like go, go down the complete opposite end, right? From the six year senior to the the freshman contributors, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen mentioned them earlier. I think they have an opportunity to really put their stamp. And, and this is, this is one of those that they can say, you know, welcome themselves to the Big Ten really in, in, a, in a major way. Uh, you know, they scored a few touchdowns at Auburn. That was a really big moment for both of them uh, and a big occasion on CBS, national TV audience, all that. Uh, but to do it at the big house would be huge for them as well. And it's not just those two. It's Abdul Carter. It's Zane Durant on the inside. It's Deny Dennis Sutton as, if he gets some run at the end as we expect him to. Uh, it's Omari Evans if he gets a chance uh, to play at wide receiver. Say Keandre can't go and and he's asked to go ahead and make a play. I mean, these are guys that are going to be relied on for these big moments and these big games over the next few years, uh, and they have an opportunity to really make their impact already. And so it's going to be up to James Franklin to have these guys ready. It's going to be up to Sean Clifford to not miss throws and you know, stay on schedule. And if you have those two-minute drill opportunities, especially at the end of the, at the, end of the first half, uh, you know, in that middle eight, James Franklin likes to talk about end of the first half, start of the second half. Uh, if you have opportunities to get on the board during that, Sean Clifford, you got You got to get the job done. And then, you know, we the last time we saw Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, they were fumbling the ball as as was Kevon Lee and the, the conditions. We talked about that with the Northwestern game, uh, but this is a real opportunity for those two specifically uh, to step up and uh, and have their welcome to the Big Ten moment. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Johnny, one more thing I wanted to bring up before we get to your uh, to your AP ballot and kind of what went into that here on the Blue White Breakdown is for the Penn State fans um, that are that are not going to the game and you're going to watch it on TV. If you can, fans, watch the Michigan nose tackle in this game. You're gonna you're gonna look at him, and if you look at the post game stats, you might not see a lot of numbers associated with him. his name is Maisie Smith. He's about six four. 337 pounds, but he he sets the table for a lot of what Michigan's going to do on defense. You really can't handle him one-on-one. He's that good. He might have been Johnny number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. If he wasn't, he wasn't far from number one. But this guy, um, as good as P.J. Mustafer is, I think Maisie Smith might even be P.J.'s coming off that knee, and I know that P.J. is a phenomenal run stopper, and you know he occupies double teams. Uh, and he's a t- he's a table setter, right, for Penn State's defense. Maisie Smith, even if he doesn't have a lot of disruptive plays, he could, but he he could have a large say uh, in this outcome. And I like Juice Scruggs a lot. I know Juice is going to get some help, but I think you and I are going to be looking at a lot. I want to see how good Maisie Smith is because the NFL is drooling over this guy. He's he's not unlike Jordan Davis, right? Not unlike him. Maybe not quite the freak that Jordan Davis is, but this guy's close. Penn State fans, if you get a chance, just focus on the Michigan nose tackle because he can do some things that not many people that are 337 pounds can do. I know, Johnny, you know, I know you're impressed with him as well. Well, remember Vita Vea, Bob? Yeah. For, uh, for Washington in the, in the Fiesta Bowl? He is that kind of impact and that kind of athlete. Uh, and so that's why when I was going back and I was watching the Iowa game from a few weeks ago, you saw a lot of Iowa's success running the ball was off tackle, was you know on the outside, and so that's why I think I, I think you're going to few and far between runs, just right up the middle, or you know trying to trying to hit that a gap because he's right there. Like, I mean, he is right there. So that's why I think this this is an opportunity maybe for Nick Singleton. You know, we saw him bounce a couple and, and hit a few uh, at Auburn and even against Ohio. This could be one where it's like, hey, maybe that's more of an emphasis. It's just. Staying away from the interior of uh, Michigan's defensive line and and leaning on Olu and uh, and and Caden and and even Brenton Strange as as a seal blocker uh, to create opportunities on the outside because yeah, this I mean he he really does have a lot of Vita Vey in a, in him and uh, I mean I, as an Eagles fan I like what Jordan Davis has been able to do uh, I'm sure there are Penn State fans who are who are going to be watching this guy and being you know having like those flashbacks like what Jordan Davis has, has done so far. Uh, with the Eagles and at Georgia. Yeah, so between P.J. Mustafer and Maisie Smith, we're talking about 650 pounds of uh, talented defensive tackle, and they're both going to have, I think, a, they're gonna, both going to play big roles in this game. But if we look at the stat sheet, you're going to think, wow, where were they? I don't see a lot of production. But they do things that, you know, to the naked eye, you don't always see it. It's hard to really focus on them uh, when you're trying to watch the ball, but they are causing all kinds of problems. I guarantee you, the centers and guards on both teams know all about Mustafer and Maisie Smith. That's going to be something that they're probably, I don't know if they're going to have restless nights sleeping uh, on Friday night, but they're not going to face any defensive tackles much better than those two. I'm going to try and watch both those guys 
but they're going to be really, really, I think, key factors. Johnny, where did you kind of fit your uh, your Associated Press ballot? Yeah, so you had a Penn State team that didn't play. I know that you've written about it, but for the for the listeners and the viewers that didn't get a chance to see it, it's, it runs every Sunday. It's must-read stuff. Hopefully you guys are reading about it, but if you haven't, check it out. But Johnny, you had to deal with a Penn State team that was number 10 and then was coming off a bye. They don't play. Michigan wins by 21 on the road at number four, but they actually come down a spot. So just your thoughts on both teams and how you kind of assembled your ballot. Yeah, Bob, thanks for the plug. I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, so I had I had Michigan dropping a few spots. And now I had them five uh, last week. And so I dropped them from five to eight. It was more so like, I mean, there, there are things that the other teams have done, like Tennessee winning the way they did at LSU. And Tennessee's really impressed me all year. So I had, I had Clemson four, uh, Tennessee five, and then I kept USC at six. And I think Oklahoma State's schedule and what they've been able to do so far, their resume is better than what Michigan uh, has done. And again, you know that, that's what happens if you're Michigan and you schedule those three non-conference cupcakes. But you know, I, I had them up high because I did. You know, I did, and I still do believe in the talent that they have, and you know, both on, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, special teams as well. I've just been waiting for them to really just you know, you know what they did to Colorado State go do to Indiana or go do to Maryland at home. And really after not seeing that after three weeks, you know, even the Iowa game was, I mean, they only scored 27 points. It was, you know, Iowa's a good defense and, and that's kind of what Iowa likes to do. They like to muck it up a little bit, but I just haven't seen that, you know, dominance out of Michigan over the last few weeks. And so uh, that's why I, I moved them back a few spots. I kept Penn state at 10. That's where I had them previous weeks. Look, they're on the bye. They're not going to move up. They're not going to move back. Felt safe putting them there just behind Ole Miss. Very nice. And I know I'm just going to ask because we're going to get to them in a couple of weeks when you kind of look at the Ohio State team. Right. And, and kind of what obviously the offense is, you know, they, they have depth and it's been on display at, at receiver and at running back uh, early in the season. They have, I think, maybe a much better coordinated defense. They've always had some athletes, but sometimes uh, the ske- whether it's the scheme and what Oregon was able to do to them last year and what Michigan was able to do to them. Just real quick, have you noticed a lot different on this Ohio State team, or is it too early to tell, and or are you going to just kind of wait until they uh, descend in State College in a couple of weeks? Look, I've been impressed from what I've seen, but even them, it's like you know, the Notre Dame win earlier in the year. You think, okay, well, that's a that's a good win, so to beat Notre Dame week one. That's not a bad win, you know. but then you go ahead and see what Notre Dame did uh, losing to Marshall, and of course Notre Dame ends up rebounding at BYU. You can keep going, you know, through all this, but you know Ohio State, I still think needs to prove it a little bit. I like what CJ Stroud has done. Uh, Trayvon Henderson is a beast. You know Jackson Smith and Jigba has missed quite a bit of time, but you know him getting back, he he seems like he'll be you know getting back and fully healthy and, and, and everything in that offense by time uh, they roll into State College uh, for that game. I cannot wait for that matchup really between Ohio State's wide receivers. And this secondary that Penn State has, it's going to be great. So uh, I did consider dropping Alabama for number one this week. I kept them there, though, just because I figured, hey, look, they didn't have Bryce Young uh, when it was. It came down the last play, though, against Texas A&M. So I figured, hey, I'll keep him at one. And, you know, Bryce Young plays, you know, next week, great. If he doesn't and they lose to Tennessee, well, then that's what they are, right? They they don't have Bryce Young for a few weeks, and uh, that'll kind of take care of itself. But it's a shame that, you know, we'll, we'll be working, you know, during the bye week. It would have been nice to have the Tennessee-Alabama game during the bye week, Bob, because I think that's going to be a great game. Uh, I think that's at 3.30, though, right? That is right. Johnny, let's be honest. You're so focused on the Eagles and the Phillies right now. I'm sure eventually you will rewatch some of these games, but as long as 
the Eagles are on Sundays, and the Phillies are now, as we talk about it, uh, one closer step maybe to a World Series berth. They still got to deal with Atlanta, and eventually I have a feeling it's going to be the Dodgers if they get by Atlanta. I know you're loving this life, but it's it's gotta it's gotta be murder on your prep time for Penn State football. I know you're you're probably burning the midnight oil because there's a lot in your life you got to get to, and you really have to manage your time. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, look, readers, listeners, take take solace and know know that you know the Eagles and the Phillies have not taken away from <laughs> I know for this Michigan game. It is the utmost importance. I cannot wait. Uh, for this game Saturday at the Big House. It's been a few years since I've been back. So I am really looking forward to this matchup. I'm also, you know, I also really like watching the Eagles stay undefeated and, uh, and you know, the Phillies doing what they're doing in the postseason. The Fightins are getting it done. And uh, we're going to have a fun little matchup Sunday night, Bob. Cowboys. I, I am aware. That is, uh, that is a game where I just think that I am stunned by Dallas's I don't call it a resurgence, but after they lost Dak and they, they they scored three points at home against Tampa, I was like, man, this could just this could just get ugly. But the backup Cooper has played well. But man, th- I knew the defense was legit. I think I even told you that early in the year. But holy holy hell! If you're if you're a football purist, the matchup between Dallas's defense and this Penn State or this is this Philadelphia Eagles combination of the O-line, the skill talent, and and the quarterback who is a, a, a true dual threat. I mean, it's gonna. there's going to be some tense moments, I think, throughout this game. I think Philly's probably the more complete team, but that Dallas defense is capable of taking this team a long way. It's a divisional game. Mike is coming home to Pennsylvania. I don't think Micah gets embarrassed very well. I think this is going to be a game that's going to hang in the bounce. I'm really excited for it. I'd like to have Dak back, but you can't have everything. It's going to be a wild weekend with Michigan, Penn State. In Michigan, you and I will be there. And then between you, me, and Greg Pickle, who's one of the biggest Philly Philly Eagles fans I've ever met, it's going to be quite the Sunday night. I know you're really pumped about it, too. It's going to be a big uh, Penn State on Penn State matchup, too. Some uh, some Nittany line on Nittany line crime between Micah and uh, Miles Sanders. Because Miles, is, he's been playing really well uh, for the Eagles. You know, He's one of the leaders in, in the league with rushing as well. Saquon Barkley. Looking like his old self for the Giants, the four and one Giants. Who would have thought that? But yeah, some good, you know, some Penn State products playing well in the league, and a lot, a lot to watch this weekend, Bob. A lot to watch, unless you're a Steelers fan, which is unfortunate. <laughs> for you, it starts with the Phillies, but it all starts for uh, Penn State fans at a high noon on Saturday. It's Penn State at number five, Michigan. We'll see how it plays out. We'll be at the game. Make sure you check out our coverage. Johnny and Dustin are doing a podcast later in the week. Dave Jones and I will have a podcast hopefully in a day or two. We'll get Dave's thoughts, but it's it's a great week. It's actually the start of a three-game stretch that I think that, you know, if you're if you're a Penn State football fan based on what you've seen, I think I think you're really excited about this stretch, but really if they, if they if they beat Michigan then holy mackerel. Between if you're a Penn State fan and you happen to also be from Philadelphia between Penn State, the Eagles and the Phillies, like it doesn't line up any better than that, am I right, Johnny? You are you are right indeed, Bob. I'm look I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's gonna be great. All right, guys. We'll be back next week to talk about all things Penn State and Philadelphia sports as well. But uh, we'll be back uh, to talk about it next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>